Welcome to the All About You podcast. My name is Sheila and I am your host. In this podcast, I invite everyday people to tell their stories of their travels, passions and what makes them happy. So if you have a story to tell, please contact me on allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and let's tell your story. So now for today's conversation. Welcome to another conversation on the All About You podcast. And today I have returning guest Cameron Hall and we are talking all things pantomime. Cameron is the director, scriptwriter and choreographer of the pantomime Sleeping Beauty in Skegness in the UK, which is his hometown. So Cameron, welcome back to the All About You podcast. Thanks for having me back again. It's been a year. It's been a year since I was last talking to you. So it's about time you came back, Cameron. About time. So let's first of all start off by explaining what is a pantomime, because it is a typically British thing. So for listeners not maybe au fait with what a pantomime is, let's start at the beginning. Okay. Yeah, like you say, it's a real British thing, isn't it? For me, the best way to describe it, I describe it to anyone, is a comedy musical version of a fairy tale. And then obviously you add in all the wonderful traditions of panto that make pantomime not just your general musical. You know, you have the panto dame, the man dressed as a woman, or you have the baddies and you have typical sketches and the whole ghost gag, it's behind you, all those kind of things, wherever you see a panto whether it's in the UK, and they have started to go, I know South Africa has one now, there's some in Australia, they are starting to kind of move to those places. I think it's those special little bits that make a panto a panto. But yeah, in its simplest form, it's a comedy musical version of a fairy tale. So let's start at the very beginning. So there are lots of different fairy tales and stories out there. How do you go about as the scriptwriter, selecting which pantomime you're going to do that year? I would say like a generic eight pantos that are done by every theatre in a loop. So you have Aladdin, Jack and the Beanstalk, Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Mother Goose, which is not done very often anymore, but it is done, Dick Whittington, Beauty and the Beast. So they kind of go in a loop. So a theatre will, whether that they've always had one or it's their new for example, the embassy, about five years ago, they decided to not have a company come in anymore. They were going to produce their pantomime in-house. And they decided they were going to start with Aladdin. The main decision behind that was the live action Aladdin had just been released. So it seemed to make sense that Aladdin was going to be everywhere. It was a marketing thing. Sometimes it comes down to an expense thing. So Cinderella, to put Cinderella, is an expensive pantomime because you have all the, the carriage and the you have a bigger cast because you have two ugly sisters and, and those kind of... So sometimes it comes down to that. Sometimes it comes down to, like I say, the order. What can we do next? I always like to make sure it's a male-led panto, a female-led panto. Alternately, so the boys get their action hero one year and the girls get their princess the next. So this year, Sleeping Beauty... In fact, this year was meant to be Snow White. But with the pandemic <laughs> and obviously the less people we could have in the theatre, the better backstage. So obviously with Snow White comes Seven Little Dwarves, which are normally played by children. In bigger pantos, in the big theatres, they are actually played by dwarves. 
but most shows are played by children in suit and that's just not physical that just wasn't physically possible this year so there was lots of other options but i kind of pled for sleeping beauty it had a nice the tagline of our panto this year was from our slumber we awake it felt very right to do sleeping beauty we've all been kind of asleep for you know we're bringing the theater back to life and but it's always a difficult one you have to look at the demographic of where you are for example skegness will never do dick whittington because it doesn't have the same going to london it that panto seems to work in the south not so much in the north what seems to be a good choice you know what seems to be is there anything topical we can bounce off to pick i think that's the thing with the pantomime you've got the basic story but it's making it relevant with in jokes news items maybe people that are, you know in the world of celebrity that you sort of pull those stories into the pantomime absolutely how do you write all that so like you say most pantos have a most fairy tales have a basic story the biggest trap that you can fall into which i try not to fall into which is very difficult is all of these fairy tales had a life before disney took them on in many cases the panto existed before the the disney film but it's very easy to go especially with something like aladdin for example next year beauty and the beast you can't go near disney for rights and you have to royalties and things but there is a certain amount of people going to see it and expecting a dancing pot and pan or a talking candle or, you know, you go to Sleeping Beauty and expect three fairies because that's what's in the Disney film. So for me, I always go back to the original fairy story. I always go back to the original and take out all the Disney and find what the story was originally. For Sleeping Beauty, that, you know, she's not called Maleficent. She's called Carabos in the original story. There's one fairy. It's much simpler than Disney has made it. So I go back there and kind of and this and this kind of starts happening March, April kind of time. I'll start doing this. And then I get a big bit of paper and start plotting out the show. Here's how act one needs to end. This needs to happen at some point. This needs to happen by here. And then I start going through, okay, we've got what characters have we got to play with? Because some pantos because they have the budget have a huge cast of nine or ten lead characters to play with for me the theater we don't do that this year we had five principals so you have to start going through it thinking okay so she's just been on with him so now i need to see her and we need to see him and we've got to meet him and that's got to happen and so i kind of block all that out in my brain i'll know I would like this to happen. Here's the twist we're going to add on it this year. All those kind of, like, for example, this year, our fairy and comic character was played by the same person. So we had a male fairy, which added its own fun. So much fun writing a male fairy. There's so many jokes there already before you start. I go and watch as many pantos of that title as I can to just get an idea of, of what others have done with it. And then I start and then I sit at my laptop and, you know, the first couple of scenes are pretty easy because it's introducing everyone. They have a all kind of fixed template to go. And then I get there and I'm like, what do we do now? Where, who, who's going to talk? What's going to happen? And slowly, bit by bit, it comes together and I might move a scene or I might. Pantos have famous skits, I suppose, that 
if you go and see a panto anywhere, it'll appear. There's the ghost gag that you know you've got to get in. There are numerous kind of already written scenes that are traditional. They've been in pantos for years and years and years. One is, we did one this year, board games, but I've seen it done with suites or records where you have a conversation and every time you mention the name of the board game or, or the suite, you lift that item up. So I decide, am I going to put one of those in? Are we going to have a slosh scene where they get messy? What are we going to put in? Yeah, and then I start filling it in bit by bit. In a normal time, you would audition the cast, the dancers, the singers, and that's probably quite a long process. But how did you put your cast together this year during the pandemic? Oh, God. So casting for us normally starts in June for the principals, which is a pretty unanimous thing across the UK because a lot of them have promo shoots within in the summer. This year, we knew we were going to have a bit more of trouble with it so although we had a few cast changes before we opened initially because it was a short turnaround it was a different type of show this year I wanted to work with people I knew so our guy who played the fairy has played genie and buttons for us previously so we kind of locked him in and our carabos we locked in although that changed dame we got quite early because pantomime dames are worth their weight in gold a good panto dame is you know a lot of the time a dame really holds a show together they're the comedy doesn't matter what else happens a bad dame just falls to pieces and we'd had a dame quite early on that he dropped out and we got a new dame who again had worked for the theatre before and he was incredible an incredible cast this year and then the others we put out a post on social media uh, normally we would use a thing called Spotlight in the UK. It's kind of like a database. You put jobs out and people reply to you. So we put that out. Agents basically send a list of people they think would be good for the job. Funny enough, the agent who sent a lot of stuff this year is a good friend of mine. I've worked with him. He's done another show for me before. And he, both our prince and princess both came from him. We sent them a little bit of script. They sent us a video of them reading that script and a bit of the song. And yeah, we signed them up pretty much straight away. And the video thing was quite nice because people are relaxed because they're in their own home. You know, people come into an, one thing we found previously, everyone's on top form when they come into an audition. They want the job. They're overly friendly there. And you kind of have to sometimes sift through the audition face to work out. At the end of the day, you want to work with nice people. Every casting director will say the same. You don't want to work with the casting. You don't want to work with difficult people. You want people to work together and be a a joy, not a headache. But obviously everyone appears like that in an audition because everyone wants the job. So you have to kind of be a detective and, you know, and everyone knows each other in this industry. So I often ring someone. I look at their CV and I know someone. I go, how are they? Should we work with them? Yeah, they're great. No, I wouldn't bother. So, yeah, this year was mainly by video which was, for me, much better. I didn't have to travel to London. I didn't have to go and sit in a room all day. It was more efficient, really. It was a much more efficient way of doing of doing them and probably a way we will probably keep as a theatre. But it's great because you, you don't know what you're looking for. I have an idea of who I would like, but until they come up, you know, they do something with the script and you're like, oh, I'd never thought about doing that. Or they make a line that wasn't intended to be a joke, funny, and you think, you're my man. 
you're going to be great at it. But yeah, it was different this year, very different, for sure. If we talk about the songs now, the songs are a huge part of the pantomime and they're generally something quite topical. How do you go about finding the songs for the pantomime? Well, I'm really bad because I don't know any song that's released after 1994. I'm not down with the kids as such. Sometimes they're really obvious. So, for example, when Baby Shark was huge, it was an obvious song to put in the panto. I don't think now, you know, when I was a kid in panto, it was obvious what songs were going to be in the panto because Christmas number one was a big thing. Now, modern music you couldn't put in a panto because you can't understand half the words they're saying. So there's been a bit of a, and I think this is the same across most pantos, there's been almost a a return back to just classic songs that everyone loves and enjoys. For me, I always start with the opening, what's going to set the tone of the show. Normally, the theatre have a tradition of doing a mega mix finale. So we kind of pick, the finale is the first thing we pick, the mega mix, and at least one song from that mega mix will be in the show somewhere else whether that's as a play on, whether that's an actual song. And then there's almost like an unwritten list of songs that suit each character. So for a panto dame, you know, there's Jolly Parton's Nine to Five. This year we did Fabulous Baby from Sister Act. Call Me Maybe. There's a kind of a list of panto dame songs that work for a man in a frock. That's not a drag queen. So... And then you kind of piece them together. There's obvious love songs to piece the Sleeping Beauty together. This year we had a lot of Glory Restefan songs, Latin vibe songs in the show. That was by pure accident. It wasn't intentional. And as a choreographer, I sometimes go, I'd really love to choreograph to that. I'd really love to do, like I've wanted to do so the opening of Act 2 this year was Scared of the Dark by Steps. I love that song. And I managed just to squeeze it in. And the, and the producer will say to me, I would really like this song. And we have to, you have to find that nice mix of old songs, new songs, musical theatre songs, pop songs, just finding that level. And what about the process of rehearsals? The first time all the cast, all the crew get together, you, you know, you're actually in the theatre. What, what's that experience like? This year, obviously, this year was, was quite emotional. Day one, start with a read-through of the script. We all sit on a big table and we all sit and read the script. And it'll be the first time I hear the script read out loud by others. You know, when I'm writing it, I say it to myself, but it's the first time I'm going to hear the script, how it's going to sound in the voices of the people. It's the first time you get to kind of start seeing what they're going to do with it. And this year was quite emotional. We all sat around the table. We obviously weren't there last year and been a roller coaster to get to day one. It's lovely. It's just exciting. You also know you can't sit in that excitement for too long because you have a week, 10 days to put a full-blown show together. So you can't, every minute counts. But it's always really lovely, you know, to to sit there and everyone introduces themselves and and you introduce yourself as a family because that's what you're going to be. The cast are a family for the next three weeks or nine weeks or however long the run is. And day one is where you you meet that family. You You meet who you're going to spend Christmas with. And you start, you know, this year, we always take them to see the set and they get to start feeling excited about the show they're going to be part of. Um, I love day one. Day one's always my favourite. I mean, there are so many moving parts with a pantomime. You've got the scenery, the costumes, the makeup, the wig, 
the choreography, the singing, the participation and, and the feedback from the audience. You know, is a joke going down well? Did they see a subtle movement that, you know, is a big clue to the story? How stressful is it for you personally? Uh, incredibly stressful because I am perfectionist and I also take on the role of what would be five or six people. The choreographer is a separate person, the scriptwriter is a separate person, the director is a separate person. I'm really hands-on with the costumes and the overall look of the panto from first downbeat to the final bow. I'm a perfectionist and I have little things that I need to be right. I need that Dame needs to have gloves on. I don't like little things that for average Joe don't matter, but they're noticed because if they're not there, you'd go, oh, there's something missing. For me, a Dame... And an ideal world, a dame should come on every time in a new costume. Budget-wise, sometimes that's not possible. So let's make sure the costume he is in is impeccable. Does he have the right jewellery? Does he have the right wig on? Could we change the wig, although we don't change that? The outfit, could we change the wig? Should that dancer have blue hair or should she have those tights or those shoes? Or I mean, I have to say this year, my stress levels didn't rise at all because the cast were incredible we were well prepared and everyone was just in a good mood you know it was nothing could have knocked us but it gets stressful for me once we get closer to the show I start noticing little bits why is that girl's hair not right that costume isn't right you know I recostumed bits and bits because I didn't it didn't look right and I think as a director that's your job but for big budget pantos there is someone there doing that job there's a whole wardrobe department going for me with that panto. It's me, but I'm also a control freak, so it suits me perfectly. <laughs> so, Cameron, do you have a favourite part of the pantomime? Is there a favourite scene, a favourite song? For me, the panto dame is my favourite thing of a whole panto. And, you know, there are numerous different styles of pantomimes. Some are way more comedy, some are way slapstick kind of comedy some are way more kind of imaginative and really storytelling and I want to laugh I want to laugh and I love writing a dame's entrance speech because that sets the tone you know once we hit hear her do the whole I'm this or I'm that and she tells a couple of jokes gets the man from the audience we know what we're in for the audience can almost take a breath and go we're safe we're here I'm going to laugh for two hours. I always enjoy writing that that scene or any scene with a dame in, especially when the, this year the fairy and dame, the queen, had some really brilliant one-liners with scenes together. I had such fun writing there, kind of back and forward. I hate writing resolve scenes, where the end scene where we make the baddie good. I hate it. hate those scenes because <laughs> they're so difficult not to be naff. Like, oh, you're good. Woohoo. And I hate writing the love scene. Prince and Princess Me. Hate it. Because it's always like, oh, we've just met. Oh, and I'm in love. No, everyone knows what's going to happen. So you don't want to go on and on and on and that. But sometimes you write it and I think, oh, they literally said four words to each other and they've just told each other they love each other. That slightly. <laughs> well, these things always work, don't they? In always. So, Cameron, I have actually had the opportunity to see the pantomime online. 
Can you explain how everyone can still see Sleeping Beauty online? Can you explain the process? Absolutely. So if you head to www.embassytheatre.co.uk, on their front page you will see Sleeping Beauty. It's called a digital dream. You can click that and you can buy your e-ticket. I believe it's £10. And you can watch that up until the 4th of January. So the show is two hours in length. Stick it on, have a cup of tea. It's a perfect nighttime watching. It's a perfect evening thing to have a watch and giggle at. So if you head over to the website or their Facebook, you'll find all the information on their Facebook as well, Embassy Theatre Skegness. Yeah, it's great. We loved having it digital this year. You know, a lot of people didn't feel safe going in, into theatres or just couldn't get to a theatre. You know, for you, you weren't going to come to Skegness to watch Panto. So, yeah, you can now watch it. And I, I love it. I love being able to share it with people that wouldn't normally get a chance to see it. So, Cameron, thank you so much for taking us on a journey of Sleeping Beauty at Skegness. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me again. I hope you have enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget, if you have a story you would like to tell, please get in touch. My email address is allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and thank you for listening.